Howdy. Howdy. How are you? Sober. <laughs> For the moment. That sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. What a bitch. Um, We're going to fix it. We'll see what happens. Are you excited for today? I am. I This is another one I've seen before. Yeah. Um, I've also seen this one. Love it. We this w- one, which what is actually based on a play. Um, and yes. it's not just a false memory given to me by my theater teacher. When did you first see it? Your sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Same here. I like, think I should stop going based on my memories of high school. All four years just kind of blur together for me. At one point, I read this in English class. At another point, uh-huh. I read this for theater, and then I did see the movie. Mr. What's-His-Face, the theater I w- will not name that man on yeah. this podcast. You get too paranoid. I just, I don't want people looking him up. You don't need to know anything about him. Mr. John Doe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Man. That's not fine. I'll name all my high school teachers that showed me all these movies. Yeah, well, your high school teachers don't have a criminal record and weren't fired for questionable. He has a a criminal record? He does now. No shit. I always forget that. You've told me this before. Mm -hmm. This was after you Mm -hmm. graduated. Yes. Yeah. Which is why I don't... I I wasn't there for this, so I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to put this man's life on blast. He's paying for his sins. Um... But he wasn't my favorite person while I was in high school, and I'm not exactly surprised that he is no longer working there. And on that sweet note, we're watching a raisin <laughs> in the sun. Yeah, we're watching a raisin in the sun. Oh my god, that's that's not funny, but that's crazy. Um, yeah, why is it always the weird teachers showing us like the greatest movies in high school? Like all my weird teachers in high school were showing me great movies. I, you know. He was not showing us great. This is a, this was a rare, rare exception for uh, from what he was normally showing us. Okay, but this is a I mean this is an all timer phenomenal movie. So I'm very excited. Who um, directed this? Again? This is directed by Daniel Petrie. Daniel Petrie. Who? What else did Daniel Petrie do? Nothing else that I know of off the top of my head. The only thing that sucks about you know getting all this and now obviously it's it's great to have all this great literature and all these great stage plays all these great mm-hmm. movies when you're in high school um because it does i think change your worldview absolutely but it does suck because in the moment i did not appreciate it nearly enough well no of course not but i yeah. think that's i think that's also part of it is you're kind of forced into consuming this content and Mm -hmm. watching these movies and reading these plays that you otherwise would have absolutely never picked up on your own volition. Yeah. And it is uncomfortable because it forces you to expand your view of the world and people and what it means to be a person and what adulthood is going to be like. It kind of thrusts you into this world that you are not interested in because you're a teenager and you think you're invincible and that nothing just is looking ever it up happen. on sparks notes spark notes or whatever yeah yeah and you're like whatever this is just an assignment but even mm-hmm. and you know i'm i'm i was a normal teenager i had my fair share of spark note moments as well even when you spark note something even just being introduced to those topics on any level broadens the way that you look at the world and yeah. what you think is possible and what you think you're capable of and what you think you can find in yourself. 
And I think that's really important and you don't appreciate it, but then you get older and you're like, oh, wait a minute. And then you revisit those things as an adult and you Mm -hmm. find that there's so much knowledge and truth in there to be shared and learned from. And why? Because I haven't seen this since I watched it in Same. high school. So it's I'm excited to watch it It's going to be very interesting to see it now as somebody and that's, you know, we're in our mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So. It is a heavy one. It is a very heavy one. This is going to be not a not a light episode. No. Nor should it be. Yeah. That's why I was saying I didn't appreciate it because, you know, you have a bunch of stupid little. I mean, I think I read this play as early as middle school. Which mm-hmm. 13, 14 year old white kids in Missouri, in Missouri are not appreciating a race in the sun yeah, nearly enough. Yeah. I was thinking about this on the bus on the way over here too. It it does it is crazy to me he didn't make unless I'm like gravely mistaken, he made all these serious dramas and that's what we know him for. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot, especially early on in his career. He did a lot of dramatic roles. Which is why when we realized he directed Stir Crazy, I was like, I. it's not what you associate him with. Well, you know what's also crazy? You know he died last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did know that. I feel like we had this Mandela effect that we all thought he died like in the 90s or the early 2000s. He lived a very long life. He did. Yeah. And he was doing stuff. He was? Like in his last years? Well, let's see. No, I think the reason that we all kind of think that he... Because he kind of... Yeah, early 2000s he stopped. Yeah. Being as active of a God, what a legend though. Oh, I mean... Yeah, there's no other way to put it. Yeah. A legend. And so dynamic and interesting to watch on the screen. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I This has been a fun run. <laughs> We're only on our, what, well, second one, third one? Yeah. Yeah. It's the yeah. third, and next week we transition with another heavy movie. So that'll be fun. I'm not telling you what okay. it is. You have to I wait know. till the end of the episode. I know. I didn't say anything. Um, what are we drinking today, Miss Kate Napoli? This story takes place in Chicago. We're live from Chicago. Live from the hometown. Yes. So we are drinking. Well, we have we have a myriad of options. I went to a local little. I thought you went to Trader Joe's. I got you some beer from. Trader oh, Joe's. Oh, 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 okay, yeah. Just on the off chance that you don't like the other things that I Kate bought. Kate is gluten free. Everybody. Yeah, I can't have beer. Yeah, which is kind of funny that. I know. I know. <laughs> You're a host of a podcast like Called this. Called I know. I, I've I've had many a qualm about it internally. I'm like, it. should we rename it to something else? Because we're not really drinking beer. Because I can't drink beer. Mm. Um, That's fine. But whatever, you know, it, it drinkies does not hit drinkies. the same. So we're going with brewies. Yes. Sorry. But one of the things that I bought you a myriad of of beers, and we'll read out the ones that you actually drink. Uh, okay. When we come back drunk, come back. It's like a list of twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of breweries in Chicago, uh, and Dude. there's also a company called Big Star that makes cocktails in a can. And we are drinking their margaritas. Mm. I'm really excited. 
I've heard good things. I have not tried them before. That sounds really good. I mean, who doesn't love a margarita? But the reason that we're specifically going for like things you can find in a liquor store in Chicago Mm -hmm. is because one of the cruxes of this story is that Sidney Poitier's character comes into some insurance money and or their family comes into some insurance money and he wants to use it to open a liquor store in Chicago. Well, should we get into it? point of contention which is where a lot of the the drama in this comes from just like our podcast raising the sun broovies very similar ah uh, yes <laughs> shall we get into Naturally. it <laughs> all right and Let's uh roll tape I'm ever gonna be. I'm just gonna reach you. Okay. <laughs> oh god, I hate doing that without a chaser. Okay. We didn't need to take a shot. We were already drunk. <laughs> Three, <coughs> two, one, four. I forgot what we were doing. Oh my god. Okay. Start writing. Three, two, one, four. four. 4.5. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just so good. It's so... The only reason it's not a five is because it's not... Five for me is very exclusively reserved for the films I could watch over and over and over again. Yeah. You got to be... You got to be in a headspace for You got to be one. in a headspace for this one. I'm not hitting repeat. You know what I was thinking the entire time? What? It's a fucking shame that we're drunk yeah. watching such a beautiful piece of art that is so... I, so good. I think it's a shame that we're drunk trying to talk about it because I. It's one of those. We're not like, going to do justice. No, yeah. God. No. There's not a. Sh- just just as a heads up for anybody listening, we are steering this ship towards lighter, more fun movies going yeah. forward. Because I I this film is so rich and beautiful. That, like, you don't want to hear two drunk dumbasses try and no. construct a sentence about it. And that is unfortunately what you're going to get we today. We do a pretty good job, though, I would say, of picking, like, a garden variety of different movies. I mean, yeah, because yeah. we can't stay on topic. We're drunk. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. We do. We pick a lot of different movies. That's what I mean. And, and going forward, we have a lot. A wide variety. Oh, yeah. But just Hell a yeah. little, just a little lighter, you know? Ones we can make fun of and laugh at and yeah. appreciate at the same time. But like, you know, I have a, nothing, we can't quip. On I have this a suggestion movie. for one of the runs, by the way. Please. It's, on air. At some point, I can just censor this if you want me to. At some point, we are going to do an Al Pacino run, right? Yeah. And that's, there's this. That's fine. The people can know that. You don't okay. know when it's coming, but we're gonna segue to Al Pacino at, at some, some point. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But uh, there's this movie called Revolution. This '80s movie. I really want to watch is it. Is he in it? Yes, he is in it. It's interesting. Maybe, but it's up to you. If you don't want to, because you could go either way. I could see you saying you don't want to do it, and if you don't want to do it, then well, whatever. I've never seen it, and I love having movies that we that I've that either of us have never seen in yeah. rotation because I think it makes it fun. Well, we need some good stuff, especially for him, because I know, as we've talked about, we can't do 
his really popular stuff because I just don't think it's going to be interesting. Well, and what we currently have slated, I think you're probably going to not want to cut, but we can talk about that later. We can talk about that off mic. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about this movie. We're going to get back to A Raisin in the Sun, but right now, part of the dilemma that we run into with this is that the first movie and the last movie of every run has to transition somewhere, right? Right. It's got to take us from someone to someone. So we really only get two movies in a run that are not Wholly related dedicated to, else. to the topic. And when we're talking about legends like Sidney Poitier and Al Pacino, trying to find just two movies that don't segue anywhere to talk about is so how do you pick just two? How do you pick just two? It was hard. It's always hard. That's the hardest part of planning this. Because we could do an Al Pacino run for like three months. We could. And we were talking, we're not at present, do not have slated uh-huh. a Robert De Niro run. We will at some point get there. Which yeah, we, definitely. We haven't found the natural segue right that now. Will be a, those will be How long episodes. What are we going to do just four episodes on Robert De Niro? Back to Sidney Poitier. <laughs> you the know answer is thinking? we may not. He might be the first one where we do six. Yeah. This whole film, mm-hmm. here's one good thought that my drunk brain came up with. Oh, please. Most movies adapted from the stage I don't like because there's still a stage play. It's like you just turn a stage play into a stage play with a camera. This feels like that, but in the best way. And I don't think I've ever felt like that with a movie adapted from the stage. Just to address that, wholeheartedly agree. I, I mm-hmm. think the camera work in this is great. It doesn't need to be a movie, but what you get from it being a movie is that it's more accessible because movies just hit more people than stage plays do. Yeah, and and I think, especially for the scenes where like you see them going down to Clybourne Park and you see him in the bar, it requires a little less effort on the audience to imagine what that environment is like yeah you get to see it you get to see that the bar is underneath an l train which is a very different energy than just like trying to imagine where it is when you see a bar stage set design on stage. and all that i personally love it when we turn plays into movies um just because you know my first love was theater and so right. it's always fun to see you love that before movies oh yeah Really? Like like from a, a technical level. Yeah. I just, huh. I knew theater so intimately before I really started to dissect film. I've always loved movies. When and did you start? Them. You were like 12, 13, like early middle school? Yeah. I mean, let's, a little segue into my background. Just like, for context. I started doing music. It helps the conversation. When I was. Well, I mean, why? Because you don't ten. like to sing. You're very. You're not. I, I don't think you're interesting. I just okay. don't do it anymore. Okay, interesting. Because I'm, I'm not, like I don't have a fantastic voice. Does that when, average? But, but when you sing, do you feel like you're getting something out? Like you're expressing yourself no, in a definitely. totally. I still love doing it. That is the only thing I miss about having a car. Is I used to sing in the car all the time. I would love to hear what you sound like when you sing. But I know we you just would never rent do a car. it to me. Rent a car, find me an open stretch of road. I'll sing for you, no problem. You would? Yeah, sure. Really? It's not be good. I mean, I haven't had lessons in. I know, but that's such an intimate, like, personal thing to hear what somebody sounds like when they sing. I sound like 
cats fucking. Honestly, <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, I I just the, the point being, I I started theater when I was really really young. Right. And I remember being 13, 14 and starting to dissect some of my favorite movies and trying to convert them to stage. And like, how would you do that? And what does that mm-hmm. look like? And what is, how do you write a stage play? And how do you write a book if it's a musical? How do you write music? I, I, I got really into all of that, just kind of in an exploratory way hmm. as a kid, which I think helped me a lot when I started to transition to film, but is still a, a deep love for me. I mean, I love theater. I will always love theater. And this movie feels so much like theater, but to me it feels specifically the performances. And this sounds very weird and like it's a stretch, but just hear me out. It almost feels like experimental theater, like abstract theater, because they're making choices and scenes. It's not just Sydney, all the actors. Sydney's the most expressive, but they're making such specific broad expressionistic choices in order to convey emotions they're big with their arms they're jumping on tables they're using different pitches of voice they're going up and down with voice level which you know it's funny because you and i've talked about theater and specifically theater acting a lot Mm -hmm. and you're really not a fan you don't like how kind of over the top it usually is yeah which is fine you know everybody has their preferences yeah 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 but Sidney Poitier and Claudia McNeil, who plays his mother in this, who plays Lena, the kind of matriarch figure in this family, played these roles on Broadway. I knew that, yeah. So they I knew that. took a lot of that and brought that into the movie. And what strikes me so deeply when you watch this is how not theatrical the performances are. Like, you would almost expect them to be bigger coming from people who'd done them on a gigantic stage in front of a huge audience. Yeah. And they're not, they're not understated, but they still feel very contained to their character, which I think is an incredibly hard thing to do, to kind of take something that requires you to just constantly be playing out and to turn it into an, an internal experience is I, I mean I can't even fathom trying to do that work and they do it so well and the relationship between them is so strained but in a way that feels entirely relatable to anybody who has a family yes like <laughs> we were watching this I turned to can go wow families are always complicated there's not a single family in America yeah. that's not just complicated as shit yeah yeah I and I think and we, you see this a little bit in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, too. I think this was just a big topic of the 60s because mm-hmm. it was such a big time of change. But you see a lot of similar conversations happening now where it's like you have a generation that is used to things being done a certain way, being spoken about in a certain way, being socially acceptable. And you have a new generation coming in that does not really well, agree with I would argue that for everything we hear about the 60s and all the people that I know that were alive then that talked to me about it, it sounds very similar to the point Trump took office to now. Yeah. 
you, culture you have is flipped this on generational divide. Yeah. Where people are trying to relate to the people that have come before them and the people that are coming after them. And they just, there's a disconnect yeah. in it. And obviously this is very, this specific story is specific to the black experience in America. Yeah. But there is something universal in it where you want the people to come after you to be better and to do better. But watching them expect more than you ever dreamed of having for yourself is kind of a hard thing to reconcile. How do you come to terms with the fact that people are dreaming of more than you ever thought you could have without feeling like you should have done more and without looking at them like they're ungrateful for what they have? And I don't have any answer to that, but it just felt very relatable in a way and that right there is why i champion cinema as like the greatest art form because there's no other art form where you are placed in the perspective whether you are just like that character or nothing like the character of -hmm. the story you are right there and I was going to say this with my earlier point about it feeling like a stage play. It's totally, I mean, it's, it's completely, it's like a play with a camera, but I don't, that doesn't bother me because for many reasons, but one is the camera is perspective. The camera in cinema is putting, putting you in the point of view of the, not just the protagonist, but all these characters. We're never going to relate to a black family in the early sixties in Chicago because that is not our experience At, at all. But it, but to to get into the minds of somebody that is so like foreign to your own experience, it broadens your viewpoint and it makes you, in my opinion, a better human being. To you know, you're increasing empathy, you're increasing love, you're increasing just knowledge about how the world works and how hard it is for other people that don't look like you, and you'll never know their struggles. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing about it is what you're also saying: we're all human. And we can find similarities in everything. Yeah. And that's what's crazy. I don't I don't remember thinking this as much when I read it in high school. Mm-hmm. But I think that's probably because I most closely, if if I saw myself at all anywhere in any of these characters, it was in Benitha, who yeah. kind of encapsulates that that young energy where anything is possible and you want to try everything and get everything you can. And get your hands on as many things as you can because there's so much to experience that it's almost overwhelming, but you don't want to be tied down to anything. I think is very relatable to high school kids. And so I remember, you know, understanding her perspective on things and that kind of helplessness when somebody else makes a decision that changes the trajectory of your life. And you're like, I didn't not even that I didn't want this, but I never anticipated that somebody else could make a decision that would change everything about the way I think about my future. Mm-hmm. And I'd have no say or agency in it. Is, you know, a young person's, not that we're not young, we are also young. But like, it's a it's a young person's perspective when you're dependent on on somebody else making decisions for your life. Yeah. And watching it this time, you understand, at least I did, related to every single character in different moments like you've been that person at different moments in yeah your because life. it's human emotion we all share human emotion it's just mm-hmm. different contexts 
And what I think is really interesting when you look at this movie, because as you were saying, cinema is so rooted in perspective. You know, without a perspective, you don't have a film. This film almost feels like it's coming from every perspective, but definitely focuses on Walter Lee, who's Sidney Poitier. Yeah. And that was a point of contention when they started making this movie because Claudia McNeil plays Lena, the matriarch, his mother, wanted the film to focus more on her perspective. She felt that she was the central focus and that it should come from that character's perspective, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But Sidney Poitier felt that it was Walter Lee's story and it should come from his perspective. And I think you almost see that. I mean, (laughs) true. But but when you feel ownership of a character, you know, right. you're playing that person and Both you are, are living their experience, so you want it to be shown. Yeah. And that is the difference, I think, between film and stage. Stage, you don't necessarily need to have one specific perspective. You can change a scene and slip into somebody else's shoes when the lights are out. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as easy in film because the camera has to represent somebody. It has to be somebody's eyes that are watching what's unfolding and it has to yeah. focus on somebody yeah so it's a little more pointed in who were you know stand-ins for but i think you almost feel that clash between them throughout this film you have these long expanses of the film where you feel like you're watching walter lee's story mm-hmm. and then you have these long expanses where you're watching lena's story And the only two people who really are constantly at the forefront of the story who we don't get to step into the shoes of from a, you know, camera perspective is Ruth, played by Ruby Dee, who's Walter Lee's wife, and Benitha, played by Diana Sands. And there was a moment, like, about, I don't know, halfway through the film where... I was kind of frustrated by that because they, they both really fascinating characters and I want to know more about what they think and what they're feeling in these moments as they're watching these two people kind of go head to head in making decisions that affect all of them. I think I would argue with you that you have glimmers of their yeah, perspective. They're just sure. not there. There's pockets of it. They're, they're supporting characters in the story. So you're not yeah. supposed to, slip into their shoes they're supposed to just kind of show up in certain moments and i get that but that to me almost felt very pointed like Mm -hmm. that that was a point that lorraine hansberry who's the playwright and also the screenwriter um because i don't think they really adapted it Mm. for film like obviously they took they changed the formats but i don't think they really rewrote anything um that feels like a point that she's making where these are two women who are entirely dependent on the decisions that these two people are making. Yeah. And we don't get to step into their shoes because they don't have agency in their own lives. And we can, you know, you could from a story perspective explore how they feel about that, but they don't really get to make decisions that change anything because that was not, what they would have been allowed to do at the time is not societally expected. Yeah. And that 
frustration watching it now from, you know, a woman of today's perspective is, is frustrating, but I think very poignant. What a well-written script. Oh my God. That's what I, that is what I love about plays. <laughs> you can't have a bad stage play script. Well, no, because you like, can't. It's, it's like film is a director's medium and, and a play is a writer's yeah. medium. Yeah. You can't, you, it can't be bad. It has to be the most Top riveting notch. dialogue you've ever heard in your life. Otherwise, people will leave it intermission. Film doesn't necessarily need that. No. You can you can have a good movie no, and a no, bad no, script. No, 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 Yes, as we've seen time and time again. Yeah. But you can only yeah. have a great movie with a good script. You cannot have a great movie with a bad script. Go off, And King I'll Kate. die on that hill. Go off. I'll die on that hill, personally. <sighs> like thinking about... All the times I've made a movie and thought I had a good script. And then I got to the end. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Everybody <laughs> thinks they have a good script until they see it on the cutting room floor. And then they're like, well, It is funny how many times you need to like really yeah. work at it to get it. You just got to be really, really bad for a very long time. And then maybe you might be good. Isn't that life though? Yeah. That's such a bitch. Which, and I laugh about this to myself all the time. 20 fucking five we have no idea what that's it even been a big thing recently for me is to, to do something for a long time we've not even been no. alive for a long time you want to know something scary though sure <laughs> when i turned 25 i was like okay i'm halfway through this decade i've gone at this film thing for like seven years mm-hmm. really 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 hard and when I, rem- I remember thinking to myself, it's only been seven years. It feels like it's been 14 or 15, just just from how much energy and effort I put into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is not good. Because <laughs> well, you can't, you know, if you, something they don't tell you about when you're growing up, uh, you can't, you have to have other interests. You have to take time off. You have to take breaks. Things have to be regulated in a way. A king is developing hobbies. Yeah. Everybody clap right now. Thank you. I Wherever put in a clap you sound are, effect, but I'm not going to. For Blake Miller. He needs hobbies. Yeah. Well, just outside interest. I um yeah. yeah. I will also say though, I don't think it's quite as fair to judge your life in years when you're in school. Because I look at college for me. Mm-hmm. And each year was two years. Each semester was a year. Just from the sheer amount of things that we did, people that we met, things that happened to us. No, but like, yeah. But so I, I'm saying... Say like, like those seven years felt like 14. Yeah. Like there, there was also a significant yeah. section of those seven years that are heavily skewed in terms of what the real what real life is like. Well, I think about college and just how hard I was working. And I thought I would take anything... No. Well, I want to take anything back. I, I don't know. I I think I'm a better filmmaker for how I went at college because I took it. I'll fucking argue with anybody. I took it, at least out of the people I knew, I took making things more seriously than anybody. I worked to the bone on stuff. You, yeah. I try to make more things than anybody. Just not that, not, and I'm not saying that they were I'm good. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at whatever just came out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not that they were good. I'm just saying in terms of like a number of things putting out. Yeah. You it, you made a point 
throughout our college years to make things that pushed you as a storyteller and as a filmmaker. And I wish that I would have taken, I look back at those years now and I'm glad I seized the opportunity because I kind of knew like, you know, when you're this age and you have this much time, this is a great time to go at it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just wish I, my stomach just gurgled. Hopefully you can hear that. I just wish I kind of would have, not that I didn't like hang out with people and relax, but. Do you want some tea, listeners? His nickname in college was Grandpa. He didn't do anything. That's why I kind of regret it. You know what's funny, though? I don't uh, regret. We tease you about that, and we teased you about that at the time. Yeah. But, like, you were there. You were a presence. It wasn't like you right. really I don't regret. Do like, I don't, like, I'm not, like, a big, even though we have uh, You missed a fair amount of nights at the bar. The we have only a podcast thing that called you really Brubies. suffered from was, like, Right. Not money. having a hangover. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not, like, a big god to the bar person. I never go to a fucking club jesus christ almighty no we're not club people but i do wish i would have i was always around i just wish i was like look stay out a couple hours later you know do a couple more things hang out with people because we what also i didn't realize about college is that you just you know you lose track with people and it's sad i mean that's just life though Mm -hmm. you know that's how everybody's life is yeah there were so many people that like we knew in college that i still i'll come across their stories every once in a while on instagram I'm like, oh, I really enjoy that person. Like, yeah. we're not fr- we weren't even really friends at the time, but we were cool. Always around the same circles. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree with you there. Where it's just kind of like you, you fade from these people's lives. And there's always that part of you that's like, yeah, I think we could have been good friends though. I'll tell you what though. Some of my, I say all of this, but at the end of the day, some of the best memories of my life were out there. I had so much fucking fun. I have very small, specific things that if I was given the opportunity to go back and do differently, I would. Yeah, same here. But they're not overarching changes. I wouldn't change the overwhelming majority of of what we did. Same. Same. And if I... And you can cut this. Here's a little Blake Miller in the future. You can cut this if you want. I'm going to censor it right now. Go. Okay. If I can say anything to you about that time... And something maybe to consider going forward. I think you've gotten significantly better about it. But sometimes you will be in a space for the sake of being there. For the sake of of quelling that fear where you're like, I wish I'd been out more. And you will stay out even though you don't really want to be out. Or you'll stay out, but you're really thinking about all of the other things you want to do. And... I, I would I would offer you a moment to consider that either you need to go home and not be out because you don't really want to be out or buy into being out. I'm not like, going to censor that. I think you're going to say something personal about your personal life. No, no that's no, no. fine to I'm say. Saying, like, may, no, I that's... don't want the entire <laughs> four-person audience of this podcast listening to me tell you, give you life advice. Our large Mormon demographic <laughs> will be incredibly pissed. No, that is something I'm trying to um, find the balance of. And it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard because I'm a very picky person. I'm very... I'm not introverted, but I'm very like. You're a very dedicated person. Yes. And, and so, that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. 
But there are moments where we're out and I just look at you and I'm like, he's not here. <laughs> like you're sitting at this table, but you're not mentally here. You're mentally at home thinking about the things you want to do tomorrow morning. The uh, Yeah, no, it's about being present. Three days. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going goals for the next three days. Maybe I was like that in college, but I'm not like that anymore. But yeah, yes, you've mellowed out a I bit. am thinking about the, yeah, what I want to do when yeah. I get home, I'm going to go to sleep, blah, blah, blah. Or you... And, and listen, I can't really flame you for this because I, I do tend to do the same thing. But there are moments where I'll look at you and I'm like, I know you're doing the same thing right now. We both need to chill out. Where we're out and we're experiencing something together. And instead of experiencing it, we're like, how would I write this moment? No, you are way more like that than I am. For sure. I but do there not are have. Where we do it together. I, if something incredibly crazy, like outrageous happens. And it's like 10 minutes later, we're walking home. We're going to the CTA, like the bus. I'll look at you and I'll be like, yo, <laughs> get the moleskin out, bitch. We've got to write this down. That's true. That's Wait, true. And, and listen, I can't. I also need to work on being more present. I think it's something that we should all be focused on. You're better on. at being out, though, than me. I'm, I'm better at letting go. Yeah. Which. You're better at like seeing where the night takes you in a way. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very. I'll go with the wind. Yes, you will. Until I, I there and and the point is further out, but I will reach a point where I'm like, I'm done. It's time to go home. I don't want to be here anymore. I know. <laughs> I'm done. I gotta loosen up, man. <laughs> I believe in you. We can do it. I think having hobbies. I'm getting will help. better. I'm a lot better than I was in college. For sure. In college, I was like, sure. fuck no, I'm not leaving the room. What I just think is so funny is you are on this journey that's like almost the antithesis of what every twenty year old is on. Where like the older you get, the the more chill and the more open to Dude, I know. to kismet you become. You're like, maybe I will stay out past one in the morning. Who yeah. knows what might happen? Whereas I feel like every twenty five year old, like we're hitting and other people our age are going, Maybe I need to be a little more intentional about what I want in my life and you and I are like, I think we can be a little less I know. Intentional. I know. It's like I don't have the problem of procrastination or the problem of like going too hard at something and like having such horrible burnout but just because i did to myself yeah (laughs) got that benjamin buttons disease brother benjamin buttons we were born old a raisin in the sun a raisin in the sun also is too old it's born old it crinkles up a little bit more they had a 2008 remake though with p diddy i didn't know that i didn't know that p diddy I obviously have not seen it because I didn't know it existed. For next week's movie, we're watching P. Diddy, right? We're watching Get Him to the Greek. (laughs) I have not seen Get Him to the Greek since I was like probably 12. That is a great film. Oh my God. (laughs) That is cinema. What are we watching next? Mrs. You're going to hear it. Cher Moonstruck. I want to watch Moonstruck again. Okay, let's do that next. I'm 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 in the mood for a rewatch. I've been in the mood for a minute. I just haven't done it yet. I love watching you cry while you watch Moonstruck. It's tender. Oh my god, I cry every time. For those of you playing along at home, Moonstruck is like top three movie of all time for me, and I cry every time I watch it. It's your number one, isn't it? It is my number one, but I do feel like it oscillates. It's it's never left the top three. Isn't it funny how Swingers and Moonstruck are low-key the same energy, but I can't explain it, and I know you agree with me. You have to cut this out, 
or I'll kill you. I'm keeping it in. But I'm saying this for you. Say it. Swingers is the the straight man's moonstruck. I'm keeping that in. Correct. I'm not censoring that. Okay. Um, next week we're watching the Defiant Ones. Yeah. And we transition from our Sydney Poitier run to our Tony Curtis run. Very excited. I am very excited. There's a lot of tea about Tony Curtis's personal life that I'm very excited to get into. Oh my god. I don't know anything about Are this we man watching personally. I'm I'm gonna say this off mic. Yeah, of course. I'm very excited. Of course we are. It's one of my f- favorite movies of him, so we have to. Yeah. Um It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Is it really? I fu- I had a poster of that movie in my well, I know you room. like that movie, but like top of all time. Yes. What yeah. a conglomerate. So for you probably just top real 10. quick. Let's go top five. You've got swingers. All time? Sure, you've got swingers, you've got Close Encounters of a Third Kind, you've got Some Like It Hot. No, no, Close Encounters is not. Close Encounters is my favorite, probably like top 25. But in terms of like my favorite movie visually of all time is Close Encounters. There is not a better movie in terms of like lighting, camera movement, composition, blocking, all that shit. Spicy. We're not watching that movie in the near future. That's fair. That's Sorry. fair. That's fair. No, no, no. I'd it's like hard. to watch it at some point. I'm just letting you know this is not like a subtle sting for something we're watching in the near future. It's not. I'm getting my letterbox. Look at my top five. One second. I am very excited about our next couple of runs. Um, we are going a little bit old Hollywood, though. I promise we will return to modern day movies. Uh, it's just going to take us a little while to get there. He's got to open the letterbox. I do. I do indeed. This is what our generation has come to. God, people that like Palo Alto. All right, I'm not going to say anything. Well, I was going to say, I'm not let's gonna, not get, I'm into not, that. get into let's that. Let's not get into that. Sorry, I just saw some more of my buddies' ratings. I'm like, dude. I have many thoughts on that movie. I have a lot of thoughts on that movie, too. And we're not okay. covering them. My top 25 on Letterboxd. You know, I have a dummy. Like, I made my Letterboxd account like a dummy account. Like, I, I changed my name to my pseudonym so people can't find me. I did know that because every time somebody likes my Letterboxd review, it's one of three people. And Don't say, well, now I'm censoring it. Thanks a lot. Censor me. Okay. Top five all time. Yeah. Swingers, Ordinary People, Sideways, Brief Encounter, um, Make Way for, Make Way for Tomorrow. What a conglomeration. Yeah, it's kind of a weird list. I fucking love those movies. God, I love those Network movies. Network isn't on there. Network's like six. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be top ten. Network's, it's, it could replace Brief Encounter on some days, but Brief Encounter is so, if you haven't seen Brief Encounter, turn off the fucking show. Go watch it right now, first off. Secondly, if you have seen Don't it. Don't listen to him. Go watch Moonstruck. What double feature, babe? Hey, double feature. That'd be Moon a good double feature. Be double feature. Have you seen Brief movie. Encounter? No. Oh, motherfucker! <laughs> that movie. We gotta go, folks. Will make you lose it. Brief Encounter. Oh my god, it's so good. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Back David Lean's best, in my opinion. Back to the movie at hand. A Raisin in the Sun. Phenomenal movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen it. Please go watch it. Not the P. Diddy, but the original. Yeah. 
No shade to the P. Diddy version. I simply have not seen it, so I can neither recommend nor condemn it. Like, I just don't know what it is. There is there is a singular white man in this movie who comes, which is a whole thing that I, I am simply too drunk to get into, but I have so many thoughts on. And? His, he's played by an actor named John Fiedler. And who does John play? John had an illustrious film career. He did. Has done many, many things in his life. But above all. One of those being he was in um, 12 Angry Men, which I know you all watched in high school. Holy fuck, he was in 12 Angry Men. Yeah, he's juror number two. But what was the better role than that? Can you remind me? (laughs) He's also in The Odd Couple. Better than that. number one thing. And we were watching the scene and I was like, why do I know this man? Yes. And then I started going through his IMDb and I was like, oh, 12 Angry Men. Yeah, that's kind of familiar. Like, I know it well enough that I might remember this man. He is the voice of Piglet. He started that's voicing right, Piglet in 1968 Piglet. and was the voice of Piglet up until 2005. Piglet is a bigot. That's when just he- done. Oh my god what a soundbite he passed in 2005 that's why he's no longer the voice of piglet but <laughs> like for how many decades this man that, was no, the voice that's of wild. piglet that's wild that's insane i wonder how they did that because your voice is changing as you get older i i think voice actors are immune to that mm. I, i'm sure i'm wrong but I just feel like once you have a voice nailed in, even as you get older, you can still yeah, like snap it's back like a into skill. that placement. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, oh, it's a skill I can't even begin to comprehend. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I love and respect voice acting so much. That's yeah. a whole other episode. I think it's very cool. But yeah, I know your favorite voice actor. I don't even know that I know my favorite voice actor. Who's my favorite voice actor? You I'm gonna, to I'm, gonna you to I'm gonna bleep it. I'm gonna bleep it. I'm gonna bleep it. Don't worry. It's gonna be funny. The we're world like, is not allowed to know that about like, my life. What? <laughs> Anyways, a like, raisin in the don't sun. Don't talk about my Quinn subscription. Your what subscription? That's a joke for the girlies. Okay. I'm one of the girlies. No, you aren't. And let's let's send it off. I'm getting a phone call. <laughs> These bitches from your favorite voice know when actor. We're recording. He's your favorite voice actor. Uh-huh. All right, and to the call. Hi, Blake. Hi, Kate. Oh, my God. Hello. You know, I was so excited because I was going to come to Chicago, you know, to hang out with you guys, but um, my husband died mysteriously. Um, and I inherited a bunch of money and I'm really excited about it. Um, and I think I'm just going to go travel the world, even though my mum thinks I should just, you know, like buy a house and invest it. Um, but I don't really want to do that. I kind of just want to do whatever the fuck I want. So yeah, I will not be coming to Chicago and I will instead be traveling the world. Sorry, losers. Thank you for listening to Birdies. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, feel free to argue with us in the comments of our social media on Instagram at Birdies underscore show. And next week, we're watching The Defiant Ones. 